welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We are here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zachary Shahan, the CEO of Clean Technica, and we're joined today by Michael Stadler, co-founder and CTO of Xendi, a microgrids-focused company that we'll learn more about right now as Michael tells us a little bit more about himself and Xendi. Hello, uh, Michael here. So nice being here today, and thanks for the introduction here. So Sandy is a software company in the microgrid space, and we started in 2018 to really tackle the planning, the design, and the operation of microgrids because we saw a need uh, that we standardize the planning process to take out time, which it takes to really design all this microgrid. So I guess today we'll talk about microgrids uh, and how we, how we can design them and what, what revenue streams are and all this stuff. Yeah, that sounds great. So just, I, I'm just curious what you were working in before you decided to to found Xendi in 2018. So I was working for a long time, almost 10 years for the government, for Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory up in San Francisco. It's part of the uh, University of California in Berkeley. And we started very early on to look into microgrids. It was in the early 2000s that we were thinking about how we can actually plan these things and, and control them. And then in 2017, after a lot of papers and research, I just decided that I have to do real stuff here. I mean, we did projects for the government, for the Department of Defense, but it was really time to commercialize the technology and, and, and go into the real world out here. And this is when we teamed up uh, and formed the company with my co-founders, Adib Nasli and, and Scott Mitchell. And since 2018, we actually now providing software and also consulting services uh, for microgrids. Yeah, we'll get to those in just a second. But one more thing. I know that you also got a, a prestigious award from President Obama back when we had, uh, I would say, simpler times in U.S. politics. Could you just, what did what award did you get and what, what was that for? It's, it's the Presidential Early Career Science Award, which is for young scientists. And actually, I got it for 2013, but just received it in in 2016 because the, the, the time it takes to really f uh, find the right people for this and then go for the committees and all that stuff. So it took a while, but it was really for the micro technology that, uh, that we actually use as a basis now um, that I got this award. I mean, it, it was not only for me. I mean, yes, I got it, but it was really for the technology that we designed at that time. And now at Xandy, we, we use this as a basis. I mean, we moved way beyond all this, but it's actually the starting point why we started the company. And it was really for the for the mathematical modeling and design of microgrids, which I got it for. Oh, that's great to hear. I'm glad I asked since it since you say it uh, forms the basis of Xandy. So yeah, to start off, let's just, uh, you know, we talk about microgrids a lot, but what actually are microgrids? So a microgrid is a group of interconnected loads, meaning electricity loads, heating, cooling loads, and distributed energy resources, which uh, can be photovoltaic systems, right? Uh, which can be an electric storage system, which can be an electric vehicle or a heat pump. And they really together form 
a microgrid with really clearly defined boundaries, which we can then control. So a microgrid is basically, it can be a building, it can be a community, it's certainly not the whole country, because we want to have some close relationship between the loads and the, the resources that we will control. And a microgrid can actually work in parallel to the utility system or disconnect uh, from the utility if it's needed. But I would say a lot of people see microgrids just from an electric perspective. So it's, they are very focused on electrical technologies. But in reality, it's actually a coupled system which also can provide heating in an efficient way or cooling. Let's take an example. I mean, if, if you have a residential building, you purchase electricity, and at the same time, you purchase probably natural gas to, to uh, generate uh, heating, right? And the electricity that you're getting most probably comes from a centralized power station, which has a 50% efficiency. So 50% of the energy that is used uh, for generating the electricity is wasted into the air through heat. But if you bring actually these systems closer, you can use this waste heat actually for building heating or even cooling. And this is why we also seen a microgrid uh, fuel cells, which can run on hydrogen or natural gas in a traditional way, which then have a total system efficiency of 80% compared to 50% because you're also using the waste heat and, and can heat the building or, or produce hot water. So it's not only the electricity side, it's also the heating and, and cooling side, which creates uh, high efficiencies compared to the traditional uh, utility system. Yeah, that's an interesting point that I think is generally skipped over or, or not thought about or even assumed doesn't, is not included. But I, you said it, but I think a key element uh, to emphasize is that it, a microgrid can be disconnected from the larger grid. It's it can is that always the case? A microgrid can always be its own self enclosed uh, small grid, right? Well, so there are a lot of of definitions out there, and some see this in a loose way. I mean, at the end of the day, we see a lot of renewable or distributed energy resources projects, BVM batteries. And some say these are microgrids, but I would argue a microgrid has a very unique feature that you can disconnect from the utility. And this is important because if you would have just a regular PV system on your roof and the utility would go down because of a hurricane, earthquake, whatever it is, also your PV system goes down because you need the utility as a reference point for your energy generation. If you have a microgrid, it can disconnect in an automated fashion or semi-automated fashion from the utility system, provide this uh, reference point internally, and you can stay operational. So that's really a key feature, which I think a microgrid brings to the table. I mean, there are to the table. There are a lot of renewable projects which cannot do this, and some people say it's a microgrid. But in reality, California, and you want to have energy when there's an earthquake or after an earthquake, then you probably need a microgrid because if the utility goes down, you would also go down with your PV system or even battery, and you have to disconnect so that you are not getting the same troubles into the system like the utility system has. Sounds good. Yeah, and so what are actual revenue streams or business cases for these entities we're calling microgrids? So on a high level, they're tied to the grid connected mode and to the islanded mode. So when you're in a grid connected parallel mode, it's mostly about cost management because I mean, as we all know, electricity prices can go up and they're really high sometimes. So we want to manage these costs, right? So here in in San Diego, I mean, we have high price periods which can reach 65 cents per kilowatt hour. So do you want to purchase electricity at that time? Or maybe 
you want to sell it, right? So you're running a microgrid in a way that you can avoid these high costs or even sell to the electricity market or to the utility to provide services to the utility. So in the grid connected mode, it's it's mostly about cost management. Most recently, of course, people also talking about CO2 reduction, right? I mean, uh, microgrids could have had diesel backup generation natural gas engines in the mix. Now people are thinking of getting rid, uh, rid of these technologies and being more renewable focused, but it's mostly cost management. In the islanded mode, it's really about the resiliency. I mean, as described earlier, if there is a grid disturbance and the utility is going down, you want to provide a certain amount of electricity or energy to your hospital building, right? And this is less cost focused. It's really more about the, the resiliency and resiliency, especially in California, uh, is a very important thing. And almost every microgrid that we are working on or help with uh, software actually talks about resiliency and installing technologies to really avoid uh, these problems internally at the microgrid site. Yeah, California's uh, definitely got some struggles lately. And, you know, it's it seems in some ways like all of a sudden, even though we've been covering this for over a decade, just seems like all of a sudden things start hitting and start piling up and you start facing these these kind of extreme challenges on the grid level with renewables they've been supported for a long time and you know they're they're growing but uh you know government interest consumer interest but what would you say is holding back bigger critical mass of of new projects at this stage it's really, it's really the capability to model all these technologies in an efficient way. As I started doing this in 2014, I mean, we did projects for the Department of Defense, for the Department of Energy, right? And to just figure out how big a battery should be to save a certain amount of money, it took us a year, and it was half a million dollars, right? I mean, if you went, if you went to a engineering company, I mean, they charge you half a million dollars to just tell you the big, the battery and the PV should be a certain size. And, and that's a problem if you have all the subsidies and interest because you cannot scale, right? So the challenge with all this is that, that you have a complex system. I mean, that's the reality because you have multiple technologies that you can consider depending on your location. Maybe PV makes more sense compared to maybe hydrogen or maybe um, solar thermal heating is also an option, right? So you have to assess all these technologies from an economic perspective and also from an environmental perspective. And maybe you have budget constraints, right? I mean, maybe your budget is limited and you cannot afford every technology. So you have to consider all this together with now the extended tax credits because maybe of the Inflation Reduction Act, right? So... All this needs to be assessed. It's a lengthy process. You have to collect a lot of information, collect it, model it, and then, as said, this can take months. But if you standardize this approach by bringing databases into the system, having a software tool which clearly tells you what you need and when you need that information and in what format, you can actually bring this down to weeks now. So, for example, databases, right? When we have these databases, electricity rates are important. We have a database for electric rates in our software, which help the client to really uh, model the impact in a very quick way. Because traditionally, you would have to collect this information from the utility. You had to figure out what rate it is, how it is look, looking like, I mean, what 
time components have it has and all this stuff. But with an API or database, you just pull this out based on the name and, and in a second, you know your existing costs and you can compare this to the costs that you will have with a microgrid. Weather conditions, right? Solar radiation also needs to uh, pull in and uh, with databases, you don't have to worry about this. You get all this information immediately combined with technology information. And this actually helps really to reduce the, the design time, bring it down by 90%. And now we can do this actually in days to really design such a microgrid and not uh, weeks or months or years, right? So I would say uh, what's really holding back here is really the capability to do hundreds and thousands of projects at the same time in a smart and efficient way. And this is why we actually formed Xandi so that we can provide these capabilities. What entities are you saying are struggling with that? That's integration. I mean, it's, it's, it's everyone. I mean, everyone who has to design or wants to design a microgrid, they have to collect all this information. And if it's a manual process, it just takes too long. If it's an engineering company, they have to design the underlying infrastructure, right? They have to collect all this information. And if you do this in a manual fashion, it just takes too long and it's too expensive. And this is why we provide uh, models and databases in our software platform, which actually can speed this up and make it easier for communities, uh, for engineering companies. Um, yeah. So you're yeah. already basically explaining this, but we we recently wrote about the idea of micro microgrid as a service. And I love mm -hmm. using that concept because I think these days, a lot of people are familiar with transportation as a service using Uber, Lyft, and other, you know, something as a service kind of business models. So I think you you basically were sort of just explaining that already, but could you just give that framing a little bit more on how you're offering microgrid as a service and why, you know, what, what makes that just a much easier thing than a, than someone, for example, coming in and saying, Oh, we'll build a microgrid here. So microgrid as a service, one reason why people are having microgrid as a service is also the tax incentive, right? And before the inflation, Reduction Act, uh, you could only get the tax incentive on technologies if you pay taxes, right? So for communities, it was really a challenge to, to cash in on, on this tax incentive. And this is why a third party stepped in to plan these microgrids for communities. They plan it, they use our software, which makes it easier for them. And then they run these uh, microgrids and get the incentive. And then uh, at the end, they just provide a certain rate energy uh, to the client through this microgrid as a service. And, and we can help here uh, by modeling different things. I mean, I said, uh, if you wanna speed this up, if you have a lot of projects, then you wanna use a standardized approach, which is easily replicable. Tells you what data is needed, when you need this data and how you get this data through databases, APIs. So this is all in the platform. And then one thing also with a microgrid as a service is, you want to model this into the future. And Xand is also helping in this because let's say you're signing a contract for 10 years and you have changes in electricity rates and gas costs because maybe you still have a CHP system that makes. You really want to know how this is impacting your revenue as a micro as a service company because you want to, you have to charge the other party actually for the energy that you're providing because you're building everything, right? You you or parts of it you're spending money on uh, with upfront capital costs and then you want to make money. So you have to really identify over time where you see problems or changes. And you want to model this also with a software platform like Sandy because increased gas rates or reduced incentives 
over time, if it's a performance incentive, will impact your revenue and will impact actually the, the cost that you, or the, the tariff that you will charge the, for the other party for your service. So this is really important that you look into the future here and model these things. So a lot of companies and governments now are, are focused on wanting to cut their CO2 emissions. To cut CO2 emissions, you have to track them and you have to you know, have concrete evidence showing that you cut them in certain ways. So I mean, what what do you see in the market, whether it's for retail corporations or engineering and development firms or utility operators? Uh, what do you see as, you know, a role that you can help fill in that kind of that service of tracking CO2 emissions and showing concrete ways to cut them and then proving that you cut them. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in our view, it's really again about the simulation because let's say you have thousands of buildings or even hundreds of buildings, whatever, and you have to come up with a certain CO2 reduction potential. You have to simulate certain technologies and how they can contribute to your reduction. How much can an electrified fleet contribute to this? How much can a battery system in combination with PV contribute to this? So, I mean, you have to get away from manual process, same story, right? But to do this, you need really reliable data also in terms of CO2. I mean, if you're, let's say you want to reduce your carbon emissions in your building that you own, and you're still purchasing electricity from utility, you need data about the carbon content that you're purchasing, the electricity that you're purchasing, right? So you need reliable data on this because if you purchase electricity from a utility, it has a certain carbon content. And this, of course, changes with the region. On the East Coast or in the North, you might have more carbon content than maybe in California because we're already more renewable-based. So you need a reliable database for uh, the utility carbon content. Then if you start modeling distributed energy resources, you also need reliable data for them. I mean, what are the carbon emissions that a certain technology emits? If you still uh, consider a backup diesel generator, I mean, how much are you emitting? So all this is important and you cannot do this in a manual process. You need a standardized integrated platform which takes all this data and allows you to model hundreds of thousands of sites at the same time uh, to figure out what you should do uh, really in terms of carbon emissions. Sounds good. And, you know, we've covered microgrids for over a decade. I'm sure I've moderated panels on it and discussed them at, at conferences and presentations and that kind of thing. And on the surface, they seem pretty simple. Like, you know, you have all these things connected, they can connect to a grid or work offline. But when I saw your your charts and your your flow charts and your diagrams and your tables on on microgrids i was like holy cow this is far more complex than i sort of ever think about it and uh so i just want to ask you what are the steps to designing a microgrid grid and you know what are the steps to building designing and building a microgrid and how does software like like zendi offers help to facilitate these these steps mm -hmm. so there are multiple there are multiple ways of, of seeing this and of course steps involved in this. The first step is of course to screen a system because you might have multiple sites or you're not sure if, if a certain building make really sense to build a micro. So you have to have a screening approach and, and the software can do this from a high level with limited data to figure out if, if you can actually save here energy or costs, right? When you have figured out your candidates, 
we really want to design the system from an economic and electrical perspective so that we can build it. And from an economical and an electrical perspective, I mean, we have to figure out how big the battery should be, how big the EV charger should be, uh, where we have to place it actually to not to burden the distribution system too much, right? So from an economic perspective, we have to figure all these things out. And then, of course, we have to uh, design cables and transformers to make sure that they can handle, uh, for example, volatile energy like photovoltaics. When we have done this, we will implement the microgrid and construct it and then control it. And controlling is really important because when you plan a microgrid, you have a certain strategy in mind. Well, Jack, if you want to run this for cost minimization, you are just focused on CO2 as a combination. And the strategy that you have in mind will impact actually the operational behavior. So when you build this microgrid, you need a control system, which actually does what you were thinking at the beginning. And this is also that we are doing here uh, at Xende. On a more detailed level, of course, as already mentioned, you have to collect detailed uh, energy data. I mean, for the heating, for the cooling, for the electricity. And it's not good enough that you just have average data for a whole year. I mean, you should have this data for every hour because you want to figure out if you want to sell at a certain time during a day or generate or purchase electricity depending on the electricity rates, right? So you need this detailed data. If you don't have this data, we can provide this through simulation and APIs, but it's really key to know your hourly rates because in every hour, the system has a different performance. I mean, uh, you purchase electricity maybe from utility with a certain carbon content and the next hour you're using more PV production, which brings your carbon emissions down. So this is why actually it's a complicated system because it's very dynamic, right? And then, of course, already mentioned, as already mentioned, we also want to assess changes over time. You're not planning and installing a microgrid for just this year. I mean, this will operational for the next 20 years, 15 years, whatever it is. So you should estimate in such a planning process how electricity rates will change over time, uh, how natural gas prices will change. And that all goes into this model. And then you select your objective, cost CO2 minimization, then Xendi will actually deliver for you what technologies you need, batteries, PV, EV, um, heat pumps, at what capacity levels, and how you should operate this. And it will also give you the cost savings, the CO2 savings, and all other kinds of financial indicators, which are important, for example, to apply for a loan if needed. Very good stuff. So you mentioned... Military, military earlier uh, in the call. Have you worked on any military projects in, in the microgrid space? Yeah, well, surprisingly, I'm, I'm a funny sounding guy, <laughs> but they still let me on a military basis. So <laughs> yeah, where's, where are you from? You have clearly an accent from somewhere in Europe, but yeah, it's, it's a German accent. I'm, I'm from Austria originally. And, okay. but surprisingly, I can work on Department of Defense facilities. So <laughs> Yeah, we, we have a, a lot of actually DOD projects because the DOD is, is one of our prime clients. And we had actually a bigger project, which we just uh, completed in May with the Department of Defense, which actually established Xindi as a tool for the Department of Defense. So we had to go through cybersecurity certification so that actually DOD is allowed to use us. And we're through this now. And uh, one special project that we really did was in Europe. It's an army base in Germany, and uh, it's a greenfield project. And we used Xende to really uh, come up with a standardized approach to build 
military sites there, which are really independent from natural gas, because for obvious reasons, already two years ago, we were looking into uh, reducing the natural gas demand uh, on the army sites uh, and transfer and, and and actually convert the system more to a heat pump system so that the heating and cooling is provided for electricity. And we had to figure out how this system can sustain a 14-day outage from the utility. So we had to figure out how big the heat pump system, the batteries, the PV system should be to really reduce the costs, sustain a 14-day outage, and be completely independent uh, from natural gas. And this was a, a kind of template uh, for the Army uh, that we did there. Another project is close to the home here in San Diego uh, for the Navy. Um, they have here really in San Diego a very critical training facility, which every sailor has to actually be trained on in this facility before they can get deployed. And they have no backup power, actually. It's a very old base to completely rely on the utility system. And if the utility yeah, no. goes down, they also would go down. And this is actually not something they like. And this is why we designed for them a renewable-based PV battery system with some uh, backup generation. And it's actually cheaper than upgrading the utility distribution lines on the side and at the same time can sustain actually outages. So this, these are a couple of examples on how we use actually Sandy for the Department of Defense. They had no backup power until this project? Maybe they have, but I mean, the thing is, it's really such an old system that they were not sure if it would be reliable actually if there's an outage. And luckily they didn't have an outage, so they, they never had this to test actually. And uh, the building was also upgraded uh, and is bigger now. So, I mean, the choice was just to either go completely with, with diesel backup generation or upgrade uh, the distribution lines and have a centralized up, um, backup system. But it just turned out to be cheaper to just have for this one critical building a smaller microgrid, which is renewable-based, which saves them CO2 and, and, and costs, and at the same time increases their resiliency. I mean, <laughs> at that base, it, it's so old, it was really hard to actually figure out where the cables and transformers are because it's, it, it's, it's just all not available anymore. So That's hilarious, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think once you're in with the Department of Defense, you're pretty much set as a business. If you, you get through all those approvals, and they have got you on your on their contractor list. You know, that's a pretty good place to be. But also, I mean, they must, you know, care a lot about cybersecurity and, you know, yeah. vetting and all of that and, you know, trusting your technology and your system. I don't know if you want to say anything more on sort of the role you play in in a more cyber secure uh, grid. So we primarily at the moment are a planning tool. So the cybersecurity is really around our software. So, I mean, they were really interested on where we're hosting these, uh, this, the, the software, right? Who has access to the data and all this stuff. So basically what we did is we, we went through this process and established a secure server just for the Department of Defense. And in the background have some rules about data handling and what we can do with this data and what we shouldn't do so that they can actually use this software service application for planning systems. So the Navy is actually a client and they, they, they just uh, get a user account and they just use it in their browser. So this is, this is the main part of the cybersecurity at the moment because we are not at the moment controlling systems. We have something on our roadmap for this for later this year, but then of course it will be more interesting because when you control this system, like I was explaining early on, you have to 
predict loads, right? I mean, you have to get in weather forecasts to figure out how much the PV output would be the next day. And that will be a challenge. And I have worked as was still at Berkeley lab on a military project for this. And that's what this was not a simple task because as soon as you actually want to communicate with the outside world, the military is really uh, very careful about what you're doing and you have to separate this. But that's something which is on our agenda for the future. At the moment, the cybersecurity certification is really around the planning software so that people can upload the data because we are, we are using data from military sites. I mean, they're uploading the distribution system topology and we have to make sure that this is really in a secure place that no one can access it. So that's a military couple of mil military projects. I'm sure you must have worked on some you know, corporate commercial projects. Uh, do you have any interesting examples in that space? So primarily, I mean, we are a software company, right? And and we're providing the software, but at the same time, of course, we're also helping communities and clients with their projects. And this way we, we can improve our software and also have special treatment for clients. And this is why we did some projects all also on the commercial side on the East Coast, for example, we worked with community with renewable-based microgrids. So they already had some diesel backup generation, very old, maybe not functional. They had no idea if these things will really carry a lot of load. So we, we with these communities, we work actually to look into different buildings like libraries, shelter buildings, fire stations, police stations, and hospitals, how we can actually upgrade the system to be more environmental friendly, meaning renewable-based microgrid and at the same time sustain a certain outage period. So what we are doing is basically with certain budget levels, we look into what technologies can we put into the system, uh, batteries, PV, to achieve a certain outage period. So we do sensitivities around this and, and see how far they can get with renewable-based microgrids. So that's, that's one uh, big project that we have actually still going on on the East Coast. So, I mean couple of questions if so if i was you know uh, a company that was like oh i know we need to get some some microgrids installed we need microgrids in our in our system how would i then go about approaching zendi and working with you or or buying something from you and then using it how, how does that get started so I think there's still a little bit of a misperception in the market of microgrids and there's a lot of education actually needed because it's not like you describe it. I mean, you, you, you're not going there and you just purchase a microgrid, right? And some people have, have these ideas that, oh, I can go to the company and they, I purchase a microgrid and they install it. And uh, this is why we also have a lot of educational programs. I mean, we work with Arizona State University, for example, to train people on basic micro topics. I mean, what can a microgrid really do for you? And people just think it will solve all your problems. Well, sometimes it, that's not the case, right? Or what data is needed to actually build a microgrid or in an efficient way. So we have educational programs together with Arizona State University. Uh, my co-founder and I, we also teach at UC San Diego uh, microgrid courses to really to really get the concept of microgrid into the market because I think there's still a, a misperception. But then when you figure out that a microgrid is something that you really want and is a way to go, then of course you can get a license from us to plan this microgrid and then in the next step also run it. And we have different licenses here, depending on, on your needs. I mean, some just want to do screening, uh, some just want to do a conceptual design, or some want to do a complete uh, engineering design. And depending on what you want to do, 
And where you're in the market, you can get different licenses for this. With these licenses, of course, you get a training and support. So, so we, we have a lot of training material, but at the same time, we actually help you to onboard and, and get you sophisticated with the software. And depending on the license, it's more or less in terms of time. And then, of course, if you want to have our design service, you can do this. And we can actually design from a conceptual perspective, engineering perspective, to migrate for you with our software. So uh, there are different ways of doing this. So then when you're working with businesses, like in my hypothetical case, I'm, I'm this, representing this business, who on the, the business side is working with you? What are they in charge of? What the, what's their role at the company? So this is really a mixed bag. Uh, it really depends on what they want to do. I mean, it can be an engineer who has a very specific problem in the micro design. It can be actually sales because we can use Xende for, for discovering a level that is, uh, the board or the C level on strategies uh, for carbon reduction. And we have example for this. We're working with a with a very large uh, car manufacturer out of Japan to really guide them uh, through strategies to reduce car emissions. So it's it's really, it can be the sea level, it can be the engineering level, it can be even the sales level. Cool. And so, so yeah, so I, I guess, what, what are you guys looking for? I mean, what's your kind of vision of this is where we are now, this is where we want to be in, in five to 10 years for the market? I mean, because it's, it's clear that you're involved in helping to evolve and develop, uh, inform people about the market in general, and for you know your own business business plans. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of visions, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, I always see this like: uh, Do we want to uh, improve or upgrade the centralized system, or do we want to go more decentralized? And I think, for me, at least in the U.S., it's clear with our aging infrastructure, it's a cheaper way to actually go microgrid than just to upgrade all the the cables, transformers, to and build new power plants. By the way, which one? I mean, we don't want to have nuclear. We don't want to have natural gas, right? So it must be a decentralized future to some extent, and. At least my vision is that every house actually has its own microgrid. I mean, I have my own microgrid in Europe. Um, I'm, I'm completely independent from the utility. I'm, I'm completely carbon neutral, and I'm also charging my electric vehicle in a smart way with the control strategies that we're having. And, and, my, and our goal is really to make this easy enough so that everyone can actually do this on a residential level and, of course, on a commercial level. That's, that's, that's the goal here. So, I mean, just to end with the hot recent news, uh, no, well, pun, some pun intended, I guess, you know, California has been suffering these these extreme heat waves and one, one solution to the problems is less heat waves, but, but clearly we're going to have a lot of heat waves in the future. You can see there's, you know, a lot of challenges that the California is facing with the grid, you know, keeping it up, preventing blackouts. I mean, how critical, you, you just talked about it, but how critical do you see microgrids as basically preventing those blackouts, you know, uh, avoiding this this situation getting worse and worse, and uh, you know, just making it easier for people to live their life in a way they want without uh, disruption. I mean, they're extremely critical because, as I said, I mean, the options we have is really to to spend billions in upgrading the. Tr- transmission distribution lines and building centralized power plants or making sure that the problems are actually not hitting the utility system. Because if I have a microgrid at my house, I mean, I'm sitting here in San Diego and my landlord has a pool 
and the pool pump is running all day long. So why is it that I don't have a PV system on my roof to actually power this pool pump? Why is it that this pool pump has to be powered from the utility system during peak times? It's just from an economic perspective and also from an environmental perspective, just completely crazy. Because, I mean, air conditioning systems are on when it's hot. And when it's hot, there's most of the time sun. So even just a regular PV system on every roof will bring down the, the critical load for the distribution transmission system. And if I couple this actually with a battery, then I'm completely independent and actually I don't need energy also during the night. If utilities will like this, probably not because it cuts into the sales. But at the end of the day, we have to really think about from a from any societal perspective, what is a cheaper way to actually achieve our energy needs? And microgrids will play a big role in this. Well, yeah, already play a big role in this, I think. Yeah, and I said that was last question, but you know it leads to another one. So, so you know, there's been a very hot debate about net metering in California for for years, for several years, ever since you know this report, basically from the Edison Institute, I think it was on a potential death spiral of uh, utility companies uh, the more they go solar. And basically, there was there was strong movement to to cut uh, net metering strongly in California, and that got delayed or pushed back or not really sure what the what the status is now but what's your contribution to that discussion of how we should be thinking about rooftop solar and utility costs and, and, and net metering mm-hmm. yeah i mean of course i mean if everyone would go microgrid or solar and be completely independent from the utility then it's a death spiral, as you said, right? But at the end of the day, it's, it's how flexible utility is to, to pick up new use cases because nothing prevents us or a utility to actually install microgrids on behalf of a client as a micro as a service, right? So if, if they want to get into this business and some are doing this, they can install microgrids for communities. They can install microgrids for buildings and then with a micro as a service also make money. So there's absolutely no need that we're just focused on selling energy and building infrastructure. I mean, I get it. It's it's a little bit of, I mean, it's a huge change for utility, but at the end of the day, this will be the way out of this if they want to survive this because it's a new business case. And on one hand, we can try to avoid microgrids by just changing the tariffs on us so that, of course, PV is less incentivized. But then, of course, the next game is batteries, right? A couple of years ago, PV was really good game because of net metering. You made a lot of money. Now, of course, of changes in the load profile and the production behavior, uh, the net metering rules change, and now you make less money. But then I just install a battery. So it's just uh, moving the point into the future. But at some point, utilities have to really think about building their own microgrids and getting in this game because otherwise someone else will do it. I mean, we already see that all companies are building microgrids. I've seen this with Chevron, I see this with Shell, right? And and at some point, I mean, utilities cannot just go to the, to the utilities commission and increase the rates because at some point it's too expensive. So we have to make sure, or they have to make sure they have an alternative approach. And for me, it's really a microgrid as a service as we started this discussion. They can build for the city of San Diego or another community a microgrid and run it for them and make money with this. There's a lot of planning involved. There's a lot of operational costs involved, right? It will reduce the burden on the distribution system. And at the same time, utilities can make money. But just raising energy prices and hoping that this is going away is probably not a way to go. And telling people don't install more rooftop solar and then having yeah. blackout, <laughs> blackout risks and having, you know... Uh, 
you know, these grid challenges because your system is sort of clunky for the modern era. It's, it's very, seems like a backwards kind of approach to the issue. And I, I really love the way you, you bring in the, the energy companies, the microgrid as a service for communities uh, for, through the utility and all of that is it's more like offer a bigger platter, a bigger buffet that helps you distribute yeah. these, these uh, stresses rather than try to shut down any competition to your traditional business, which is a little outdated. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a fascinating topic. Really enjoyed your, your take on it. Sort of opened up some, uh, some perspectives for me. Uh, any final thoughts on, on any of the topics we, we talked about today? I mean, we covered a lot of things and at the end of the day, it's really, I mean, it's really about getting into renewables in an in a economic way, because I think if we have renewables at the source where we consume this, we don't need the distribution system, right? And, and this is the key benefit of a microgrid really here. We are not burdening the distribution lines, the transmission lines. We are, we, we, there's no need to use a lot of money to, to put this in these lines and maybe have some cost because if you invest in a transmission system, then you have this system for the next 50, 80 years, and this might be some cost. So it's really seeing the future here and, and getting smart about how to really get distributed energy resources to the residential buildings, the office buildings, and into the community to really avoid what we have seen the last couple of days here in California. Every, every day I get an email or a message saying I shouldn't consume energy. And well, where's the PV system on the roof or the battery to really manage these problems? And this is what we have to do here, actually. We have to get more local and decentralized. Yeah, totally. Well, I think in marketing, they say you should just repeat, repeat, repeat. And I think we've said the word microgrid about 100 times in this episode. So I think we've we've done a good job of emphasizing the core, the core <laughs> solution here, which is, micro- and I, I mean, I think it's one of the easiest, most fun clean tech solutions to get behind. People get excited about microgrids because of all the things you've said on this episode. But again, you've brought in my perspectives on it and I've been covering it for a long time. So I really appreciate that and appreciate what you're doing to, I think, I assume, if I understand it, bring microgrids to a lot more people and customers around uh, the U.S. and the world. So thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.